Man, I'm one of those rare cats. I actually am a, a product of being born here in Atlanta. So I'm one of the Northside babies. So I was born at Northside Hospital. Oh, wow. Uh, grew up in Athens. Went to Georgia Southern. Um, high school-wise, I actually went to a boarding school in Northeast Georgia called Raven Gap Nacoochee School. You ever been to Raven County? Oh, oh unfortunately, yeah. I have. Up I, I, I've been there. You said fortunately? I said unfortunately. Oh, okay. So like, yeah. do you know where like the Dillard House is and all that yeah. area? Okay. Yeah. So... Raven Gap Nacoochee School is right across the street from the Dillard House. It's that beautiful big building there. Um, and my game plan was I didn't have the grades to get into Georgia because being growing up in Athens uh, was to go to a school where your credits could transfer. So I was like, I'm going to do two years at Southern and then transfer over to Georgia. Well, two years in, the baseball team was in the World Series. The basketball team had made it to the big dance. We're coming off of a couple championships in FCS uh, football, football at Georgia Southern. Um, this is under Irk Russell at the time. He used to be the defensive coordinator at University of Georgia. And I'm like, I'm a big fish in a small pond, and I ain't going nowhere. So I went ahead and finished out and um, got my first job in Jacksonville, which was completely uh, – uh, uh, that's not my favorite place to be. <laughs> yeah, Jacksonville a little rough. Right. <laughs> and I made a goal for myself. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be back in Atlanta in time for the Olympics. That was my goal. So in 1996, 96. I wound up – being here um, it fulfilled that particular goal, and why, uh, why man, I haven't left Atlanta since. So I've been here forever. <laughs> was was the, the Olymp- Was there a reason the Olympics, or was it? How did you come up with that as the goal? Was it just a good time marker? It, for me, it was literally. Uh, I knew that was going to be not only a great time to be in Atlanta, but it, it was just setting a goal. Because if you don't man, if you don't write something down, or you don't set a particular goal. Uh, for me, it was I had 1996 Olympics written on my Wait, mirror. Why was, wasn't it Freaknik? You should have. Nah. Freaknik was, was dying. Freaknik was a, after 95. What 90, year was that? Well, so Freaknik it ended around 96, 97 was the last popular the, years. So. Oh man, I remember that too because it would completely stop traffic. Oh on yeah. 75. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so hilarious. you was at Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is. It was a party school when I was in school. So this was like late 90s. So don't sound like much has changed since no, when you was there. Not at all, man. I mean, you know, it's funny. If you ever run across somebody that went to Georgia Southern, your first question always, did you graduate? Because most <laughs> people um, never graduated. They basically flunked out or transferred out or something. But you're right. It was a party school. I, I, I remember we were so proud of the fact that Playboy would put out that um, issue that was like hottest college girls per conference, if you will. And Georgia Southern, that one particular year, had gotten an honorable mention that we were like in the top 10 of party schools. So we're like, if we don't have a girl in the magazine, at least we're in the top 10 <laughs> parties. Yeah. So did you play sports growing up? What got you interested? Like, how did your background kind of, how did you get into what you That's do? That's a great question, man. I played sports in college. Remember, this was a boarding school, so there was only like 200 of us, so I was the tallest guy. Nah, to you play team by default. <laughs> Stand down there and put your hands up. 100%. <laughs> um, and got to Southern and was always intramural type stuff, so I didn't have any talent for the, for at all. But I do remember specifically um, in 1995, I think, there was a terrific movie that came out called Jerry Maguire. Do you yeah. guys remember that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Show me the money. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah, man. Oh, and up. I looked at that movie and I was like, I want to be a freaking agent. <laughs> and um, it's kind of funny to cut to current present day with this company that I've got now. Um, we're kind of facilitating being 
um, an agent by helping these kids make money from their name, image, and likeness. But um, we're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But no, man, I was a horrible, <laughs> horrible athlete. Um, I make a joke. I was too white to be on the basketball team. <laughs> it's no such thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just was always one of those wannabes. I was a terrific intramural guy. I could play the shit out of some flag football and some softball. When that was about Hilarious. It. <laughs> Bro, you know what's funny? Because like, they got a saying, and, I, and it hits like kind of close to home, teaching comedy. You know, it's the saying, if you can't do, then you teach. And I'll be like... About that because I can do, yeah, you know, you I mean? actually do both. Man. So, you're you slay every time I've ever seen you, buddy. I, I love watching your stand up stuff. So, that's all right, makes sense now. Makes sense. So, let me ask you a question because I've been thinking about this ever since you told me you was involved with the NIL stuff. Yep, is there any chance for an ex athlete to go back and just kind of work <laughs> some kind of deal with somebody? I got some tapes. Can I, can I, and he still got a year. I still, still got a year. Say, you, you got some eligibility. I still yeah. got a year left. Is it anyway? I mean, barbecue joint, something. I don't need. I don't need. I just need somebody to cut me a little five thousand. You know. Wait That's a minute. All. So, what was your sport? I read track, track and baseball, track okay. and basketball, really. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any eligibility left for real? I do, man, but I'm not getting out there with them youngsters. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He needs to jump in that transfer portal, man. Yeah. It's not going to happen. That's what I told him. So down at, I like, because at Georgia Southern, when we was, I used to go down there in like the late 90s, uh, there was a guy named Adrian Peterson. Oh, yeah. Was the running back. brother, man. You remember Michael? I don't even know he had, I didn't even know he had a brother. Oh, dude. Do you know the backstory on Adrian at all? Um, I know he went to the Bears, and that was about all. So Michael Peterson had a terrific, what was it, like a 12-year career. He actually finished up here at the Falcons. Before that, he was with the Jaguars, and he actually got drafted by the uh, Indianapolis Colts. So he had a terrific 15-year career as a middle linebacker, Michael Peterson. Um, And he went to Florida. I think now he's coaching, if I'm not mistaken, at the University of Florida. So he's on that staff. But Adrian had a speech impediment. And so when he was getting recruited, one of the challenges when coaches would try to have a phone call with them, because go back all the way back to the 90s, we didn't have social media. Right. And the only channel of communication was either going to be face-to-face or phone calls. That was it. And Adrian would get on a call, and that speech impediment would be what the coaches would hear. And they're like, how are we going to communicate with this kid in the huddle? Yeah. Um, Are we talking about Oklahoma Adrian Peterson? No, no, no. Different Adrian Peterson. Oh, okay. That's why I was like... Nah, uh, no, 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 no. He was a Viking. Nah, yeah, okay. No, 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 no. Sorry, so, I said it's Michael Peterson's younger brother. My bad. Okay. Oh. But um, you know, cut to um, I guess Paul Johnson. That's what I'm thinking about. That was his head coach. So Paul Johnson, if you guys remember him, yeah, yeah. He left Southern after having winning a couple of national championships on Adrian Peterson's back. Oh, oh I, I remember. Went on to Navy and then went to Georgia Tech and then got cut. Um, lost his job there, but. Yeah, man. I mean, Adrian was a, a badass, but he just couldn't get recruited by any FBS schools because of that daggum speech impediment. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can believe uh, it. Yeah. Especially like now, you know, we that's back in the time when <laughs> ignorance has always been at an all-time high. Uh-oh. Ignorance has always been at an all-time high, but especially back before people had, like, the resources to kind of know. Oh, 100%. You know, you hear somebody with a speech impediment, go, oh, that boy's stupid. And be like, man, that ain't got nothing to do with how smart somebody yep. is. Yep. I mean? yep. So, yes. But I, I used to, we used to go, this dude was so good. I was at Fort Valley, and we would drive the 
three hours sometimes just to go to a Georgia Southern game. You would drive that far me to and so, Yeah, see, me and some of my um, some of my friends, like we would come down and do um, what was that? Players ball. <laughs> they had this event called Players Ball, and then Savannah State had something called Orange Crush. We would always come down for oh, those. Man. Yeah. I, I would like to party with you then, and so I would like was, to party with you now. So we still got time, brother. Fun times. <laughs> boy, I'm half the man I used to be with the partying, boy. <laughs> man. So, all right. So tell us about, so you got Fans Meet Idols. That's yep. the name of your company. So what do you guys do? And what? A- well, so I guess um, a way to lead into this is to... Um, talk about the rule change that took place a couple of years ago because this thing is actually pretty new. Uh, that's true. You know, before the name, image, and likeness rule change went into effect, which was July of 2021, if you were a student athlete and you showed up in a commercial or you took some money for giving a lesson or anything like that, dude, you lose your scholarship because mm. that scholarship offer that you signed, there's a provision in there that would surrender your publicity rights, which they call name, image, and likeness now, to the school. And we're all headed towards a pay-for-play model. I mean, look at what's happened to the Pac-12. It just got right. demolished this past week. Yep. But um, we're headed toward a model where it's going to be very NFL-like. There's going to be four conferences with 16 teams in each conference. That's where I predict it's all headed. And we're also headed to a pay-for-play model where the student-athletes will actually get paid. But the NCAA, which is a a body of schools that, I mean, you can't be a part of the NCAA until you get voted in by the actual membership, which the membership of the schools. Um, The NCAA said, hey, in in order to protect amateurism, um, we're going to essentially give the name, image, and likeness rights back to the student-athlete as an interim to pay for play so this was their swing at trying to hold off pay for play uh, for just a little bit longer but what name image and likeness actually allows you to do is that you now as a student athlete have the same rights as a regular student on campus if you want to give lessons if you want to crochet if you want to sell your art or you want to mm-hmm. um, participate in a camp and get paid for it you can now do that and not lose your scholarship um, a lot of the people I immediately think about showing up in a commercial like did you notice this past year when Bryce Young started showing up in some commercials like I believe it was the Nissan Heisman commercial yeah etc so these guys now and gals can now make money from their name image and likeness um, because of that rule change and like I said it's an interim step to pay for play so uh, we'll see where that comes in a few years but what we do is there's two ways if you're a student athlete to actually make money from your name, image, and likeness. The first way is to monetize fandom. The second way is try to go get like brand and endorsement deals. Right. So what we've done is we've created a platform that makes it really, really easy for a student athlete to monetize the fandom. So they can stand up a storefront and they can sell merch like products. They can have fans book digital engagements with them. Like for example, being able to book like a 10 or 15 minute zoom call with your favorite athlete for four sessions as a mentorship. And that's probably one of the most popular ones in that digital category. Mm. And then the appearances is exactly what that sounds like. That's just booking somebody for a date and time, be here at this address to do a lesson or log into a, a zoom call or participate in a podcast to get paid for it. So, um, we are absolutely focused in on trying to help these kids monetize fandom. They're, like I said, the other side of this is to go get brand and endorsement deal opportunities. We have a really 
great relationship that's percolating at the moment that we'll be announcing this fall with uh, a multi-billion dollar media company that happens to have 200 radio stations and 450,000 <laughs> podcasts. You probably guys can guess who it is. And they've got 60,000 advertisers, so they're coming to us to partner and say, hey, we've sat on the sidelines with name, image, and likeness for two years, so it could kind of crystallize because it's been a mess for two years. Um, you've done really, really well on the fan side. We'd like to be your brand side of this. So uh, right now we're focused on trying to help student-athletes monetize fandom, but it, when, if when this partnership comes through – we can then be a solution that does brand and fan. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. So was this something, so let's go back a few steps. <clears throat> was this whole, since you were in college, was this something that you saw and observed and you were like, because I know you said you wanted to be an agent. So was that something you got involved in in college and then it kind of grew from that? No, so um, Fans Me Out is actually my fifth startup company in the last 21 years. The previous four companies all offer some type of a recruiting or a compliance solution to collegiate athletic departments. Okay. So name, image, and likeness wasn't even a thing until right. about, you know, what, four years ago when it really started to catch up some, some speed. So um, it just so happened that I was already serving schools with some of my other companies. And then when the conversation started to percolate about name, image, and likeness coming down the pipe, it was just perfect timing where I was like, I think I can create a company that helps kids make money from their NIL. Why not go ahead and do it and lean into those relationships with the schools that I've already had uh, and stay in the same vertical. So, um, no, it's not something I could have predicted because NIL wasn't even really a thing, but I happened to be right place, right time with relationships with the schools to cash in on helping these kids out. Do you still have those businesses? So the first one I sold, um, and the other three still exist, yes. Okay. Yep. So it's just a product of doing shit. <laughs> that, that from your sheer just doing something and then being in it, it just keeps evolving. Yeah, I, I will say this. It's really hard to pledge the, the fraternity slash sorority of collegiate athletics. But once you're in, you're in. And if you do a really, really good job, they all will refer you around. In other words... If you ever were trying to build a company and you want to serve collegiate athletics, all you have to do is knock down a deal with one school and one conference. Because once you get that one done, then they'll refer you around, and that's how you kind of uh, get some traction within uh, collegiate athletics. In this particular case, I've continued to be able to bring really innovative solutions to collegiate athletics. And when NIL was coming down the pipe, it was really easy to make a phone call to like Josh Brooks, the athletic director at Georgia, who was a customer of one of my other companies. And I was like, Hey man, I think I've got something that maybe could help some of your student athletes make some money. He's like, heck yeah. Cause they're all looking for ways to help these kids cash in on this really, really unprecedented rule change. Yeah. It makes me think about all the people, the Todd Gurley's, the Reggie Bush's, oh, man. all of the people that got in trouble for just stuff. Like you're saying, it's just basic as an athlete, those are some of the brokest days of your life. As a college student, period, you know. So the fact that y'all are able to, like, show people how. Because everybody ain't going pro. Everybody's not going pro. So if I could be a volleyball player at yep. FIU and cash in on my name, image, and likeness, like, that's a beautiful thing. Yep. You know what I mean? So what's yep. up? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, would it surprise you if I told you that women, um, female student athletes, are doing much better with NIL than men? Is it NIL or OnlyFans? I'm joking. 
Yeah. Why isn't that though? Why? That would surprise me though. Um, I, so a couple of observations. One, I think females are going to be a heck of a lot more marketable. Um, yeah. Secondly, remember you said what was the comment you just made? The college days are some of the brokest days of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of guys that were rock stars coming out of high school, and all of a sudden they've got that opportunity to play at that next level. There is that, hey, look at me, kind of, I don't want to call it entitlement, but, you know, it really kind of is entitlement. But um, a lot of these kids on the male side just want something done for them, whereas females will just try harder. They're smarter when it comes to adopting new technologies. They're smarter and more innovative when it comes to hopping on social media and just doing things for themselves. I think they've had to try a little bit harder. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that the stats two years into this name, image, and likeness rule, a little bit over two years, um, demonstrates that women are, are killing it when it versus guys because guys just kind of, they want it done for them. Yeah. And the women are a little bit more self-service um, and getting things done. I mean, look at Olivia Dunn, the absolute... Um, the LSU gymnast. Have you guys have seen her? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's killing it. $10 million. $10 million. <laughs> and she's not even 21, right? Wow. Um, and then the next person in the list is about $4 million, and it's a football athlete. But there's the gap, man. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I would not have. I would have went football, football, football. I would not have thought that. Yeah. Wow. So what's some of the downsides of, like, the NIL that you, that you see. I think that... Because um, it ain't worked out all the kinks. It's still some kinks, right? Oh, man. It, there's kinks galore. I, one of the first issues that makes it so hard for a student athlete, um, whether you're currently in school or you're trying to pick which school you're going to go to, is there's no national set of rules. Mm. In other words, it's, it's a West. patchwork of state rules. So you got 50 versions of name, image, and likeness rules. And then you've got the individual schools within that state that come up with their own interpretation of, of what, what these that rule is. <laughs> it's bizarre, man. It's so bizarre. Has it kind Cause you hear a lot of head coaches and I'll, and I'm going to mostly refer to football coaches okay. because football brings in the most money, correct? Highest revenue during sport by far. So then equestrian. It, and then you have, then you have guys. You know, you have hope. <laughs> you have. Is that the swords or is that that's horses, right? Yeah, it's horses. Yeah. Horses. What's the What's the swords? It's fencing. It's fencing. Do they bring in any money? You they really it? don't. They don't. Here's you a, can't see them. Ain't no fencing teams in the <laughs> south. You gotta go to like Brown. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go to fucking Rutgers. Yeah. <laughs> what? Your fa- you, probably the easiest way to figure out the revenue generating sports because when you're an athletic director, you have what literally they say are my revenue generating sports and my non-rev sports. The reason you have non-rev sports is for Title IX, and there's a rule there that says for every scholarship you give to a male, you have to have an equitable scholarship that goes to females. So that's why you've got a lot of Olympic sports, if you will, like fencing or bowling that you talk about. But your highest revenue during sports, just look at the campus. Where is the stadium seating? In other words, where are they going to sell sports? Which sports are you selling tickets to? So it's always going to be football, which is first. Then it's going to be hockey, depending on if you're in the north or the south. Right. Um, it's going to be softball, going to be uh, volleyball and baseball. So those are like your biggest ones. And when you drive on the campus, that's where they're putting the, the stadium seating at. But you had a great question you were about to lead up to, and I completely yeah, well, walked I was going to say the, the people's opinion that I don't give two fucks about in this conversation is college football head coaches because they want to sit there 
for the last 30 years, making millions and millions. And what did The Rock say? And millions. They make millions of dollars for decades off of these kids. And then they want to whine, actually get on podiums and whine like little bitches over kids making money. Yeah. And it drives me up the wall. And my question was, the when it comes to the NIL versus this older system, do you see it actually freeing the athletes, or do you see it to where it's going to get centralized and then have teeth on it to where these kids can't prevail? Because it's had, this kind of swing has happened before, and then it kind of swung back, and now it's swinging again. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I know that's a let's come question. back to the downside question here in just a little bit. Don't let me forget to come back to that one there. But um, I'm going to kind of defend the coaches for just a little bit here for a second. Please. Because the coaches, they've got a very difficult job. <laughs> they've got a roster of 17 or 22-year-olds. Remember what you were like when you were 17 or 22 years old? <laughs> okay. I was actually more responsible then right, than right. I am now. And not only are they that age, but they have – their health taken care of. They have their mental health taken care of. They have every meal on the table for them. They've got housing and they're getting the equivalent, depending on which school they go to of a quarter of a million dollar uh, scholarship. That's the side of it that schools will sit there and go, why do you guys want more? You're getting a free uh, everything here. And I think where the coaches are coming from with name, image and likeness is one of the biggest challenges of being a head coach is avoiding distractions. I mean, you, you know, go to school, go to class, try to mitigate the trouble you're going to get into when you don't have when we don't have your scripted date for you. Um, and now <laughs> name, image and likeness is another add on. So it's not only an issue of there's one more distraction, but imagine that the three of us are sitting around and here's Johnny over here on the right. Bro just got to deal with Zaxby's. And he ain't even killing it, right? And he's, he's he's screwing up on the field. How do we feel about that? Right. Yeah, so it's, it's really another it's chemistry. Yeah, there you go. So when you see a coach stand up there and comment about name, image, and likeness, watch your next interview and then just look at it through that lens and be like, okay, it's a distraction and it can be a little bit of a virus in my locker room if somebody's yeah. not performing well, on the field, but yet they're getting paid. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's the, the Marxist in me that doesn't give a fuck what a guy making $10 million a year Say it, one more time. Say it one more time. I said maybe it's the Marxist in me that doesn't give a shit about what this millionaire okay. thinks about these kids <laughs> who are putting in the physical labor to make him that $10 million. Yeah. I see both sides, though. Me I too. see I see both sides. It's like a, it's it probably would be better if it came off a little different from these millionaires. He was like, hey, I think it's great that the kids got a chance to do this, but this is the downside. They're yeah. not doing that. They're just going, ah, you shouldn't get paid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what you Yeah, said. I just picture Nick Saban up there with that scowl on his face while he's got six yachts. And, the, and these coaches, too, <laughs> they have dropped kids at the drop of a hat for a better opportunity. They've yeah. left kids in the wind. They will go to different programs and not give a fuck. Ooh, it's funny. Um, and, and all these opinions are mine. These have nothing to do. I'm putting you uh, on the spot. No, I no, no. Because I, I, I know you have relationships with these people, and I just have the attitude of fuck them. These kids need to get paid. 
So it, it, I see both sides of it 100%. Yeah. Um, I have no problem with a coach making what they make. I mean, it's it's a tough job. Yeah, if you absolutely. If you've ever watched the calendar, 12-month calendar of a coach, they got no time off. They got Maybe a couple off. weeks off. Yeah. Tops. <laughs> um, so I value the fact that they are earning what they actually are, are earning. Um, I mean, imagine, let's just take football because we're sticking with that for a minute. That's 120 guys. 120 17 to 22 <laughs> that you've got to keep um, in check and and oh no, by the way one of the hardest things about coaching today is this thing called the transfer portal you oh, guys up man. to speed on that yeah okay absolutely there's a lot of coaches and I'm going to leave their names out of this that I'm have befriended over the last 21 years that are no longer coaching right now because of the transfer portal imagine this when you were a football coach you originally, before the transfer portal was a thing, you were able to recruit a kid and sit him for two or three years right. and prime him and get him to the point to where when you do finally put him in as a junior or senior, he's going to be a rock star. Now you've got, with the transfer portal, coach, you going to sit me? I go somewhere else. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to transfer out. So um, then compress that with basketball. You know, there was already the rule where um, basketball uh, student-athletes couldn't go to the NBA until they had played a full four years. And then the rule change came into play when they can do yep. two. Could you imagine now being a basketball coach with not only that two-year compressed because that got cut in half from that rule change, and now you got the transfer portal? Right. How do you put a team together? How do you put a team together? Just, I, I don't know. Know. just be like Calipari and have a glorified AAU team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a glorified AAU team. Yeah. Well, it it's has, just, to, to, yeah. and to defend that, that same point is like the – especially college basketball, there really isn't teams anymore. It's just a team that season's hot and who'd they get, and then it's it's yeah. not like how it was in the 90s when people came up together, and now it's kind of one and done. And I don't, I'm not a fan of the transfer portal, and that is going to sound so hip, hypocritical coming from somebody who transferred three times, two times. <laughs> but it, so the thing about it is, like, I transferred for different reasons. It wasn't to, like, join a better team or it wasn't lack of playing time. And so to your point, it's like I come from an era where, yeah, if you're not playing better than the shooting guard that's playing before you, then you sit yep. and you work on your game and you got to develop. Tough titty. See you next season. Yeah, yeah I don't know if you guys are watching, um, but, you know, because there's no – national set of rules and we're dealing with a patchwork of 50 different states the nca has been lobbying the congress to say hey could you guys please pass an nil legislation and let it essentially help us govern this thing so you've got like uh, tommy tuberville who's probably put one of the most recent um versions of hey this is my nomination for legislation and good old coach threw that in there where he actually said hey not only are these are my going to be my recommendations for NIL. This is what my recommendations are for managing mental health because that's really a, a thing. I mean, how many kids did we see last year take their lives that were student athletes? So mental health has become out of nowhere just this thing that you're, as a athletic director, have got to provide resources for right. and above and beyond just this is where you eat, this is where you sleep, et cetera. This, there's mental health. So um, where I'm going with this is that Tuberville's got a provision in his nomination for a bill that basically says, hey, knock yourself out with a transfer portal. A couple things. Number one, you can't transfer until you're three years in, and you can only transfer once. And there are exceptions if the coach turns over, that sort of thing. But 
now that's very coach-like because if you're a coach, you're trying to put a team together and you want to be able to recruit and know that those kids are coming down the pipe to fill those particular spots. But right now the transfer portal rule is transfer whenever you want, knock yourself out. Um, I like the idea of some type of a guardrail that says, if you pick Georgia, stay there for two years or three years, you can still transfer, but you got to stay there for two or three years. And that kind of goes back to where I know you're a little bit anti um, head coaches making a bunch of money, but in addition to not, not having any time whatsoever during the calendar, that's what you got to deal with. Is well, you're dealing with a perpetual free agency. 100%, yeah. man. Which, which is in... I'm Are not you saying, coming around now to be pro coach? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do understand what, what... I understand that. It's just hard for me to hear millionaires talk about what broke people are doing <laughs> to benefit their interest because that's what I've heard from the government. That's what I've heard from from everybody. Oh, there forever. it is. We breaking ground. So, okay. Did you know this about him? I did. Okay. Uh, so it's it's just it irks me to hear these guys talk when they don't know what it's like. A lot of them don't know when you don't know when you're getting your next meal from. So yeah, this guy over here is offering me ten million. Yeah, I'm going because you just left. Where where did Nick where Nick left LSU to go? Where did he go? LSU to go to Alabama. Where would he go? No, he went. No, to the, Nick he went, went pro. He left LSU to go to the Dolphins. Yeah. And then came back. Oh, he was yeah, like, I'm never yeah. gonna be in college again. Look, where did he go? Yeah, bro? he's just he's just a guy that's talked a lot of shit out of one side of his face and then did the opposite. So like let me, a lot let me of ask us. you something real quick. So uh-huh. just to kind of poke at this a little bit. Yeah. Brian Kelly had uh-huh. a terrific career at Notre Dame. Yeah. Right. Coach, are you yeah, terrific? Or, yeah. or are you against the fact that he took a gig? At LSU. I mean, what's your issue with these coaches moving around? Because at the end of the day, we all are in a vertical and in a business, Mm -hmm. and we all want to be the president and work our way up. That's all that's happening. I don't have a problem with him taking the job. I had a problem with that fake Louisiana accent. (laughs) 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 Okay. So that's a good point. And I'm okay with people making individual decisions to do that. And like Brian Kelly, who made a decision, they they want to stand behind these podiums with all the lights and all the banter and all the suits and all this and talk about, I'm doing this because I love LSU and my family and all these things. They're allowed to do it. But when it comes to the kid, then it's a bad thing. Well, then the whole world's falling apart. The sky's falling apart. Well, now these kids are making money. What are we ever going to do? How it's going to get rid of amateurism. It's going to get, well, why don't you take a pay cut? Why doesn't the government take a pay cut? And we give all these students college for free. And then nobody's got to worry about a motherfucking thing. And maybe less people will kill themselves because they actually have access to an education. While these millionaires are setting up here making Millions and millions and millions off of people dumping money into the student athletic program. Tell them why you mad, son. I mean, come on now. So, so that's that's a whole you know that's a whole other can of worms that we don't have to get into. But that's kind of where I'm coming from. Is the bottom line is it's just hard to hear Please. the rich the rich talk about individual decisions, and then when people outside of that group make individual decisions, then it's a bad thing. It's the system. Go, go ahead. It's the system. I was about to say, um, put yourself 
in the shoes of a president of a university because that's the one that controls everything. He okay. controls the academic side. He controls all the hiring decisions on the athletic okay. side, let et cetera. Me, let me – okay, I got my whiskey. I've got my cigars. Okay, I'm in <laughs> – I've got my loafers on. <laughs> yeah, I've got a turtleneck. Uh, okay. All right, tell your secretary to climb yeah. from one of the desks now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm – Oh, okay, now I'm present. I'm here. Have you heard that phrase that the athletic department or sports is mm-hmm. the front doorstep to an institution? Say that again. The athletic department, so athletics, uh-huh. is the front doorstep to an institution. I've never heard a phrase that way, Have but you that makes it sense. Kind of position that way. Hmm. I mean, so think about schools that are out there without athletic department, uh, athletics at all, and name one that doesn't have any athletics. Uh, yeah, see what I mean? Kinda care. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying outside of like community schools and stuff? What? I mean, Even they got teams. Yeah, yeah. where I'm going Probably. with this, though, uh-huh. is that if you're the president of a university, um, you have the academic side of your house and you have the athletic side of your house. Yeah. If you are doing well in athletics, a good basketball team, a good baseball team, and name the sport, you're doing really, really well in it. That brings revenue into the school in the right. form of donations, tickets, things like that. Right. And if you're at the highest level, let's just go ahead for argument's sake, say that the SEC is the best conference and, and that leads all of collegiate athletics. If you're the president of your university, aren't you going to invest into what's creating the cash for the school? Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah. So Nick Saban, I, I mean, I'm kind of building an argument here. I'm going to pay the best to the best mm-hmm. to be the best what? kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, <laughs> I think athletics is the, is the front door step to an, an athletic institution or excuse me, to an institution. Um, I got no problem with what these guys are making. So you and I will agree to disagree. I know, I, and it's not even that I have a problem with how much they're making. Okay. Because I, I do understand the economics of that. I mean, you've got, especially if you're in Alabama and you have all these donors and stuff, my sole problem it's just their arguments, yeah, their, their, how they phrase it, and how their decisions are looked as as noble when it comes to making a decision about their family and about where they're going to be. But when a kid makes that decision, then he's you know he's not he doesn't care about his team. He doesn't care about he's after the money, and it's like your body is only going to last so long. Yeah. A lot of these kids come from from poor backgrounds. Yeah. Like they they are also forced into. If you have a school, say, and we'll just use this for an example. You've got a kid that's going to be third string on Alabama. Well, he can start at the University of Wyoming, hundred percent, and say they offer him, you know, a meal where the guy at Alabama is making five, and Nick's mad at the kid because he needs a third string linebacker and guy on special teams for going to go make that million at Wyoming, and it's like. Where Nick has a problem with it because it makes his job harder, I'm like, no. I see what you're saying. That, that okay. kid, he's not a piece of shit. What do you want him to do? The, the, the money <laughs> yeah. is there, Nick. He's got yeah. to go. And I do, there does need to be that perpetual free agency is eventually going to like make it like yeah. college basketball where kids are coming and going and you can't even keep up with the team anymore. And there does need to be some windows where people can relax and you know that you got a team for a year. But if you can just bounce in like November, it's that is wild. Yeah. So I, I do see that point on it, and that was only the point I was. So trying to your make. rub is um, if a student athlete chooses to transfer to another school, you've seen press conferences where the head coach will dog them a little bit, but mm-hmm. for that decision, is that what you're saying? And and yeah. your argument is 
bro, he's got an opportunity to go somewhere else. Stop. Grow up. It's your job. Figure right. out. And, and, if, and if your assistant okay. gets, if he gets, if your quarterback coach gets promoted to go be an offensive coordinator, oh yeah, God, God bless him. You know, he's done his job. <laughs> but, do, do you know? So the coach's view on that, by the way, mm-hmm. is that a coach usually has no problem whatsoever watching one of his staff members go take another gig. Mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin is a example of the Nick Saban coaching tree. Yeah. Um, the problem that really create that's created when a coach goes somewhere is when that coach raids the cabinet yeah. of that existing oh, staff. Yeah. yeah. So Nick would be like, "Go, I want you to go be the head coach at Ole Miss, but stop taking my freaking people." Yeah. Right. So that's because the minute you do that and the cabinet's bare, you got to restock mm-hmm. and start completely over. And there's not a lot of pro- programs out there that are sustainable enough. Like Nick, what Nick has at, at Alabama to where when it does get raided, he can still get it restocked and sustained. But take Georgia Southern. I mean, if, if that whole entire coaching staff gets completely taken away, Southern's got to start back at just freaking dead zero. So that's the yeah. argument that a lot of coaches will say is that, hey, I'm really proud of so-and-so. But then when you see them in the press conference, I'm really proud of so-and-so. But I, you know, I'm a little salty here because he just took five of my guys. Yeah. Um, that's taken five of my guys from the staff. Or now the transfer portal is a thing. If a coach goes on to another school, not only does he raid the cabinet on, hey, yeah, he offensive corner, come with me, DC, come with me. And oh, by the way, 15 guys transfer because I recruited you, man. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? It, I mean, you can really. It, it's pro- it can be a real problem for somebody if somebody transfers out. Look well, at Dion Dion Sanders. <laughs> and I'm bringing Louie with me. <laughs> <laughs> he cleared him out, man. He cleared him out. Yep. Oh, you, you, you in, in the weight room. And like he meet your new coach today. And he walk in. He like, get your shit. <laughs> you don't like what we doing? Yep. Hit the transfer portal. Yep. At least they got that option, though. Well, we know the at least the federal government's on it. We know they'll come in and make it better and <laughs> clean it right up. We know that Your confidence level is really high there. <laughs> we know if anybody can fix it, it's Tommy Tuberville and his big ass ears. <laughs> so, what what advice like do you give to a student? So, I'm a student athlete right now. I'm just a mediocre badminton player, <laughs> what? and I and I hear about fans meet idols. How how do how do I get hooked up? Like, what what would I do? Well, what? so, you know, really, the 700,000 student-athletes that are out there, and if you do the math on this, there's about 500,000 student-athletes that are in the NCAA system. And where I get the other 200,000 is going to be, like, NJ, uh, the junior colleges and then NAIA. So that's about 200 there. But, y'all, I'm telling you right now, we're two years into NIL, and only the top 1, 2, 3% of student athletes are getting the brand endorsement deals. So it's just like OnlyFans still. <laughs> <laughs> so you just got athletes out there just showing titties. They ain't getting no money. Right. <laughs> damn, damn, damn. Well, our our point with the fan monetizing fandom side of it is that hey, whether you're not you're getting any brand love or not, everybody's got fans. Everybody's got family. Everybody's got friends. All you gotta do is stand up a storefront and make it really easy for these people to spend money Finally, on you. Yeah. And so um, everybody, I don't care what number you are in that 700,000, you can monetize your relationship with fans, family, and friends. 
Um, and if you happen to be one of those lucky ones that are part of that top two or 3% and you can get some brand love, then do both. There's do both. no reason that it's not an either or it's definitely a both. Unfortunately for the bulk of student athletes that you're monetizing fandom is kind of your only shot at cashing in on this. And then one interesting t- t- statistic two years into this is that when I get an opportunity to speak directly with schools, I always like to ask that question. Okay. It's two years in. What percentage of your student athletes are even participating in NIL? And about 30, 40% of these kids aren't even doing anything. Hey, can you believe that? So here's a rule change that gives you the ability to go make money. And you ain't even cashing in. You ain't even doing anything. And now you go to the student athletes and you say, hey, why aren't you taking advantage of this? The answer behind it is I already have two full-time jobs. I'm a student first. I'm an athlete second. And NIL is a third full-time job. I can't handle the additional add-on there. So when, for kids that don't have the luxury of an agent or a parent or somebody who can help them with that NIL, that third full-time job, that's why that number is so daggum big that kids are like, it's great rule change, but I'll never get a Zaxby's deal. Um, and it's too much work, to, too much of an add-on to be able to do the monetizing fandom thing. We try to help them shortcut that with the way that our platform works, but... Um, yeah, I, that's to me. That is one the one statistic that stands out that I just haven't got my mind wrapped around completely. Is that there's a rule change that lets you do this, and I just I, an, an alarmingly high quantity of kids are not taking advantage of it. Do you see kids? Does that like surprise go, you guys? That numbers? Nah, nah, <laughs> they don't. Well, I think Why a lot of people because I, mean, I think a lot of people don't know how to. Because like my question would be, so knowing that. All right, boom. We got this opportunity to take advantage of this name, image, and likeness. So I might not be hot to Publix or Nike or, you know what I mean, Lowe's, but it's a mom and pop um, tire shop in my neighborhood. Can I go to them, present what I do, and then they get behind? So I could act as my own agent in this case. Okay. So it's almost like they're all NASCAR drivers, virtually. Say it again. It's almost like they're all NASCAR drivers where, yeah, you're a driver, you're part of a team, but because of your personality and your brand, you attract the sponsors. And then the the team benefits, you know, the good drivers. And social media got to help. Yeah, it does. So the challenge is that a lot of these kids don't have – think of it (coughs) NIL this way because if you're a brand – you're looking at what I what I refer to, and this is just an ism that I came up with called GPS squared. Gender, position, sport, social media following. Are you a male or female? What sport are you playing? And where are you at on the roster? Um, and then social media following. A lot of these kids don't have, I would say the bulk of them have got less than 5,000 followers. Who's going to pay for that? Right. If you're a brand endorsement deal, you want... You, and I just learned this the other day that there's like those five those tiers, tiers yeah. of influencers. So there's like the million Kardashian level type deal and you get down to micro and, and, and different levels there. A lot of these kids don't even have enough of a social media following to where Zaxby's or, or even the local tire dealer um, would want to try to do a deal like, with who them. are you promoting to? There's right. 400 people on this page. <laughs> now, now, let's flip this a little bit. One of the most impressive things about NIL um, over the last two years is always happening around one event per year, and that is the big dance. Imagine being that kid 
that freaking drains the shot. I was wondering about that. that. I mean, suddenly they're, you know, they advance their team to the sweet 16 or something like that. Dude, they start popping, man. And I mean, the, the offers start coming out, but it takes, isn't that strange? Here's this rule. And the good news is when a kid does hit that shot, they can cash in on it. But if they've got 3000 followers, they have to depend on drinking that shot to have any brand love uh, from NIL. And, And anyway, um, Interesting type observation there with just that one sport. Because I was thinking of that one kid last year. Uh, I can't think of his name, but he pretty much like carried his team to like the Sweet Sixteen yeah. or the Elite Eight. So yeah, that's the case. You can be like, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what's the average deals that you see as far as? Because we got the fandom side. Yep. Can't really keep up with that. But what's <laughs> what's like the average? I am a top tier athlete. I'm coming out. Yeah, a lot of the offers that come from brands are either going to be a combination of cash or something free. Ah. Right? And so a lot of these kids are doing stuff for a free burrito. You know, here's your card. Come to um, Cadoba and get your free burritos. <laughs> Whenever you want to. Yeah. So um, it, every deal, slice it up that way. It's a combination of is there any cash involved with it or is it just free stuff? And the bulk of it right now is a lot of free stuff. Um, remember, and think about, you said, what was the comment you made a minute ago? Your college years or your poorest years? Oh, it is yeah. You know what? Here you go. Here's a card. Feel free to eat here anytime. You'd be like, That's, I'm in. <laughs> you might be better off giving a college student just a lump sum of cash over just saying, here's your meal card. Come eat whenever. Yeah. Because I used to smoke too, but I would show up, boy, that's $40 a day, boy. Smacking <laughs> that thing. Okay. But an average deal, to answer your question, um, you could probably see a range of anywhere from free stuff, but then the money comes in somewhere around a few thousand dollars is about what kids are getting. Sweet. Yeah. And then you get the Livy Duns with that just beautiful LSU gymnast who's pocketed multiple deals and accrued up to $10 million. Isn't that crazy? That's What yeah, would you do with $10 million when you were 20 years old? Like, <laughs> smoke up half of it. Yeah. <laughs> there would be a lot of inappropriate things. Yeah. A lot. I'd probably have more kids. Uh, yeah, it would be a lot. You it, would all be, it would all be destruction. It would be fun, yeah. but it would have been destruction. <laughs> even... Nick Cannon 2.0 right here. <laughs> oh, man. Not that bad. Nah. What about you? What would you do with it? You know what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> You know, no, I would have found Columbia a lot faster. I say that. I oh my well, goodness! That, now would be a lot more purchasing property, though. There would be more of that than just the partying. Oh, I'm going to party. If I got ten yeah. million, I'm taking a cool five hundred thousand. I'm fucking off. I'm talking yeah. about oh boy, <laughs> good God! And if I live through that, we'll talk about investments. <laughs> so one of the because it's not every day that you get to pick the brain of someone that is so. You were ahead of it. Now you're in it, and you have your, you know, your, a whole business based around this whole new economy, and you're having to keep up with it as it goes. And you're you're having to focus on well, what legislation is going to pass now? How because it's such a fluid thing. I mean, it is the wild west at the moment. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so, and I know one of the big fears is when all this was starting was they were the coaches, and rightfully so. There's always been a fear of the agents kind of infiltrating and getting in early and kind of really having more of a say than they should to protect the amateurism because yep. that's something that they've always they've always I don't want to say hid behind but it's always been a concern 
are are agents now? Is it more of a open door to them? Do agents target kids? Do how? What is the relationships with agents now that this whole thing has changed? I'm just yeah, curious. Th- when name, image, and likeness became a thing, there were some uh, certain sets of guardrails and some rules that were established at a very very high level, and they did a pretty good thing when it came to agents because um, today. If you are an agent, which kids can have agents today, um, you can only be an agent for their marketing rights. In other words, the way the rules are written is that if the three of us put together an agency and we go stock the, the cupboard with a bunch of collegiate student athletes, we can only represent their marketing rights during their collegiate career. Um, uh-huh. We can't do that and also be an agent when they turn pro. Uh, okay, so there's a division Correct. in okay. Yeah. So you see a lot of the big agencies like CAA and all those big ones, and you're going, why aren't Why don't you guys have a college division? Yeah, like, there's well, no Drew Rosenhouse isn't in. <laughs> well, he's figured out a way to kind of get into of it a little bit. Of course he did. Of course. But there's no motivation whatsoever for an agent to get in bed with a with a uh, kid yet. Um, when with that rule that's actually in place, so that one has kind of helped keep that one at bay. Okay. That's the whole business of it is fascinating too because then you have things like the video game. Did you play did, like the NCAA yeah, football? Like, oh yeah, and and that's kind of what killed that game from EA Sports. And now they're talking Ed about O'Bannon, bringing it man. back. Ed yeah. O'Bannon, remember him? Yeah. Hell yeah, old Bannon brothers. <laughs> yeah. So with that kind of a a big thing, so say they want to make an NCAA basketball or a, or a tennis or or hockey or something. How does it come to, like, big payouts like that if you're going to have every kid on the roster have their face on that game? How, do, how does that work? Are they going to individually pay the, each kid? Or how yeah, does that? so this is actually a point of contention. I don't know if you're familiar with what's going on with EA Sports at the moment, but they're trying to bring the game back. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're talking about is what's called group licensing, and that still has not really crystallized to the point. So the, the struggle for EA Sports is – or anybody in, at this level that's trying to do like a video game and include every kid on the roster is that there's 120 guys on every football roster at, at the FBS level. Um, group licensing would allow all 120 of those kids to opt in to that one license and EA sports would just have to do, do that, that one. one deal. The problem is group licensing doesn't exist. So you have to do 120 deals times 72 schools. Oof. If you're doing power five, and you've got some kids that are going, mm, I, I, pay me a little more, man. Yeah. Right? So um, this is the welcome to now one of the huge issues with name, image, and likeness is that if you want to do a deal with the entire team or you want to do a deal with all the quarterbacks, et cetera, et cetera um, it's hard to do it because group licensing doesn't exist. Fast cut to the NFL model. They're all unionized. So if you want to do like a deal – with all the quarterbacks in the, of the 32 teams in the NFL level, just go to the union and knock down a group licensing deal because that exists. That doesn't exist in our level at the college. So there's a lot of things that still have to uh, get created from there. So do you so see – oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the EA Sports game that's about to come out, it's going to have some kids uh, featured in it, but it's only the kids that opted in for the program. And they're only getting paid a few hundred dollars. Of Damn. Course. Do you – with with your level of expertise, what what are some what are some things that maybe bother you about it or issues you see and and maybe you have you think and you have solutions for? 
Do you- um, I would say the thing that um, that is that nobody could have seen coming down the pipe was um, was collectives. Have you guys gotten involved or familiar with these at all? Mm. Okay, so collectives are entities separate from the institution that make it legal for a donor or a booster to put money into a student athlete's pocket in the form of an NIL transaction. Oh, okay. So that's the old grease and eggs. Oh, be it's a, a man in the in the bathroom <laughs> stall. You gonna have a package for you? Yeah, <laughs> dude. It's a legal bagman, straight up. It's completely what it is. Um, and part of the downside of NIL debuting with no national set of rules is these collectives started popping up everywhere. So part of your recruiting pitch, if you're recruiting for X Y Z institution, is Hey, this is uh, our college town. This is where you're going to eat. This is where you're going to sleep. This is our pastor. This is et cetera. And oh, by the way, we've got an oblig. We can get you at least five hundred thousand dollars in nil deals because our collective has accrued this war chest of cash. Oh, so that's 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 part of the recruiting pitch now. Well, I mean, that's Richard. how you win capitalism. I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> or the national championship, whichever one you want. Yeah. <laughs> whichever it's, one you want. It's so funny that so many of these issues are just like a microcosm of so many other things. Um, and now, but it's just so oh, laser focused on this one entity. Yep. And one of the things that, if you're an athletic director and a coach, I know you're. We spent a lot of the first part of this where you were like anti-coach, but. Um, Put yourself in Josh Brooks's shoes. This is the athletic director at the University of Georgia. When I've made calls to the schools in the SEC, the donor dollars that were originally intended to go give a facelift to, say, Sanford Stadium or you know, build out this new uh, facility for our student-athletes, et cetera, that money now is getting redirected over to name, image, likeness. Because if you're a donor and you're like, I can give my $100 and get a facelift on Sanford Stadium, or I can give my $100 so you can, hey, Kirby, you can go recruit Johnny and get him at the University of Georgia. I mean, it, that it's a real struggle where 20, 30, maybe even 40, man, I don't want to go that high. I'm hearing numbers anywhere from 15 to 30% of the donor money that was intended for the athletic department is now getting redirected to these collectives. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So imagine being an athletic director. You just got the shit knocked out of you due to COVID. (laughs) Two years later, NIL becomes a thing. And then collectives. I mean, it's hard to make money in um, collegiate athletics here just in the last five years, which is why you're seeing a lot of athletic directors. uh, Literally, by the week, we see something where so-and-so is going to retire. This person's retired. They're like, fuck it. I'm I'm not going to do all of this. So... um, Back to the question that came up a little bit earlier about what are some of the downsides of NIL, I I would nominate that one of the issues is that collectives weren't even a thing, and now they are. And the downside to it is that donor money that was intended for the athletic department to go do something for a student-athlete now is getting directed to NIL. I mean, these are sort of some of the downsides, if you will, to this whole rule change coming to play. You give us the money, but you don't get to pick where it goes. Aha, that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Well, is is that how – so these collectives – let's just use Georgia just to have it. Yeah, Why not? So a, a collective is a group of people. They have, the, like you said, this war chest is, I think, is a great way to put it. Alumni. They they go to Kirby and they go to the, to the uh, president and they're like, hey, we're going to cut you this, but we want it to go here. Are you saying – and obviously I'm simplifying it. 
Are you saying that's what's happening? And I'm not saying specifically to Georgia, but in that example, that is what is happening? Yep. That's why Justin Fields didn't play. <laughs> oh, man. Come on now. Well, yeah. Okay. So the people outside of the organization are having the say, not the actual organization itself. Say that one more time. The people outside of the organization who are example supplying donor, the money. Right? Yeah. Is, the, is your example? Yep. Right. They are actually having the say as opposed to the university itself. So a donor that would, say, religiously give $1,000 to mm-hmm. their uh, alma mater, they have a choice of where that goes. Do I want it to go to the a- academic side of the house or the athletic side of the house? I'm going to give to athletics. Okay. Um, they also can designate, do I want to go to football? Do I want to go to equestrian or badminton? Um, in this case, they're saying, you know what? This whole name, image, and likeness thing, if I can help Kirby Smart, or just because we're using that as an example, um, put into a sales pitch that there's X number of dollars, NIL money, um, available to help him recruit that particular kid, I'm going to now move my money over to the collective. Okay. Yeah, that can and see now that that's why you're the director going... I depend on ticket sales and I depend on donations and 15 to 30% of the donations that were originally intended for my athletic department are now getting redirected to help recruit players for NIL that, that donor money doesn't come back to the athletic department. So that slows everything down um, Damn. from all that. So it's, do you see that's, it? I think one of the biggest problems to back to the question at the very top of this, which is what's the downside to it. It's creating all kinds of heartburn in a lot of different ways. Um, and that's an example of the stress it puts on the ecosystem of collegiate athletics. Do you see it becoming a thing? And because college football generates so much, and I know you were talking about a lot of, especially females get more of the NIL money and the brand and all that stuff, but college football supports a lot of those athletics 100%. with the money that they put in. It's the highest revenue generating sport of all the 36 sports that are options at the NCAA level. Yep. So could you see a a future where those schools decide to virtually almost separate and become their own thing? 100%. That's where this is headed. I see football breaking away that sport. I see the top 70, what's 16 times four? I'm terrible at math. Um, 20, 40, 60, 80 times. Uh, the, I see the top 48-ish team, football teams. If we have this conversation, and I hope you guys invite me back five years from now, I think we'll point back to the fact that, okay, look, we predicted that the sport of football, the top-tier teams like the Georgias, the these, these main remaining four conferences, they're going to break off from the NCAA and become their own thing. Now, that will still leave all those other sports that the NCAA has to run, but think about what football does. If they break away and from the NCAA, they can negotiate their own TV deals. They can negotiate all of the different uh, opportunities to be able to bring in additional money um, and do it independently of the NCAA. Hmm. So... Um, if you're recruiting and you're like a, a Johnny Blue Chip type kid and you've got an opportunity to go to a school that's part of that breakaway group or go to Georgia Southern, <laughs> um, I mean, that becomes like a big deal. But, dude, that's where it's headed. I mean, okay. step one, break away from the NCA, And then step two is it's you're going to see ungodly amounts of money that are going to be generated from that. So and that's a good thing for the school, right? Because remember, the athletics is the front doorstep. <laughs> To uh, a, usually a, a college, and that money that's coming in 
winds up increasing enrollment. Right. Um, It gives the schools the ability to go to their state governments and say, hey, I'd like to be able to get X number of dollars for these grants, for um, different scholarships, et cetera, for the academic side. So it's a huge – that's how it works together. Does that kind of make sense? No, it does. And I want to get really, really specific because it's – when you watch, you know, ESPN and Fox Sports, they have 30 seconds to talk about some of the most in-depth topics, and you have you, you can't you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So to have somebody actually involved in it and knows the ins and outs of it, I really wanted to get really specific in it, so we can get answers because we don't know what the hell's happening. Um, so it, it's nice to actually hear someone who is is kind of behind the scenes who knows what's up. Yeah. Um, so, with that being said, as far as the the football uh, separating, is is it kind of a scramble right now for the NCAA? Are they like trying to? Because it almost seems like they're seen as they didn't have enough teeth. They don't have enough like the stuff with Jim Harbaugh right now, trying to punish him for giving a kid a hamburger when, and I know the thing with him is lying, but. <laughs> the, the the original thing was him like you know the story right where he gave, they gave the kid a hamburger they fed him while he was there and it's just like this is kind of buffoonery when we have all of this going on with the nil you know what i'm saying yeah. so my my point being is that is the ncaa trying to jockey to where they stay relevant i th- so because if, if you have a body that wants to pull away and create their own thing and they're the most powerful thing, then the NCAA, it doesn't really have... No. The, the one thing the NCAA is uh, really, really good at is tournaments. Okay. I mean, they that's part of what... I mean, uh, gosh, what's the number? You're going to have to fact check me after this, but it's somewhere in the, the neighborhood of 60 70% of the revenue that comes in the NCAA comes from March Madness. I bet. In all these tournaments. So what the NCAA is really, really good at is running tournaments. Um, FBS football, which it does, is not ran by the NCAA. Mm-hmm. You're aware of that, mm-hmm. right? So they're already broken off. Yeah. Um, in other words, the FBS, they determine their champion based on college football playoff. And as you know, we expanded. Um, is this the year we're going to tw- eight teams, 12 teams? I yeah. think it expands. Isn't yeah. it next year? It's coming up somewhere. We're going to have to fact check yes, this. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's next. I think yeah. next year it expands. So the whole concept of hey, when football breaks off, it's already the NCAA doesn't run it. The NCAA does not determine FBS's champion. The college football playoff. That's system, a really good point. It's already uh, broken. Changed. It's already gone. Yeah. Um, what they're doing now is saying, okay, let's go put our arms around the best forty-something teams. Go into four conferences, sixteen teams apiece, and go to a straight playoff structure, just like FCS does, and let's go freaking make some money off this thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, to, to, I think your question was what happens when football kind of breaks off? It's already been on its own for mm-hmm. uh, forever and ever. Um, but dude, the money that winds up being paid out to a school or a conference, um, is pretty tremendous. I mean, it's multi, multi, multi million dollars to be able to uh, do that. Plus you have fans that are in those stands and, um, sending Rich. their kid and their kid's kid and their kid's kid's kid and they're all going to those particular schools. It's all about, if you're the president of a university, it's all about enrollment. You want to be able to generate money from enrollment and be able to get money from the state to be able to 
for those different grants and the different programs associated with it. And when you're relevant on the sports side, you suddenly have a bigger case if you're a president. Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, what I'm getting from this is be the president of the school and control all the money. That's, that's inspired to be the president. See? Yep. See? Think big. Control all the revenue. You get to dictate if the biology department get books. Or the basketball team get uniforms. Right. Damn it, we're going with uniforms. Yep. Ain't nobody come to see these damn books. So, <laughs> so what is what's the what's the best part of your job? Uh gosh, um, I would clearly say the opportunity to work with these kids, <laughs> to be able to put some money in their pocket because of this rule change. And you know, plug, you said it a minute ago, man. A lot of these kids, because they have those two full time jobs. They're scared of the add-on of how do I put time in and get some ROI from NIL. And when we get to them, the idea is, hey, look, you don't, know how to, you don't have to worry about how to build a website. You don't have to worry about how to connect your social medias to it. You don't have to worry about um, selling T-shirts with your logo on it because we'll create the logo for you. And when an order comes in, the best part is you don't have to worry about inventory because we're going to do it all make to order. Um, we're connecting fans to these particular kids, uh, you know, to be able to. One of my favorite things that just happened uh, on Saturday, there's a, a young girl where her name, uh, 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 her name is Haley and the dad's name is John. And they just wrapped up Saturday with a uh, session four of four. With this little girl, she's eight years old, and she's getting an opportunity to talk to her hero, who's at Utah, Utah Gymnastics, um, Abby Brenner. And okay. imagine if you had an opportunity when you were growing up to be able to go 10, 15 minutes with your college hero. I mean, that's insane, right? Mm-hmm. So the best part is to be able to create a really, really easy way for these kids to monetize fandom. And then, you know, hey, look, we all kind of feel prideful. To a certain degree, call it ego, whatever you want. But when a fan um, thanks you for 10 minutes of your time or thanks you for um, having a T-shirt that they could sell or thanks you for giving a one-on-one lesson, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the best part of it is being able to help them connect with their fans. It's pretty pretty cool. That is cool. How long you been there? How long you been at it? This has got started about one year before NIL became a thing, okay. meaning the rule changed in July of 2021. So the company's been around for three years, but NIL, what we're just a little over two, yeah, we're a little over two years into it. And where can we find you? Uh, this is for all the inspiring badminton players out there. Where, <laughs> where can, where can we? It's easy, man. Just fansmeows.com. Same thing. Fansmeows is going to be on all of our socials, Twitter, Instagram, um, TikTok. We're all there. And when you're on stage next, <laughs> I'm going to go up. Um, the is it Georgia shenanigans? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So there's some group that actually contacted me over the weekend and said, "Hey, we've got a jam coming up next week, and we've got a show coming up the week after that." So it's like a little bit of a rehearsal. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go up on that, and then I'm doing those open mics, man. <laughs> open mics. That's the key to it, isn't uh, it? You know the the optimism of the improv folks. <laughs> <laughs> I, they're always the most optimistic people. And they balance assholes like me completely out. And I just, man, Steve, 
Thank you so much Heck for yeah, coming man. and talking about what you do because you genuinely seem like you give a shit about folks, <laughs> which is really nice to see. Um, and man, yeah. thank you for for giving us the knowledge on stuff that we. Oh, my earphone fell. Uh, stuff that we don't we don't get the information to. So yeah. I, I didn't mean to grill you and go full. You know, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Full marks on you, but, yep. but, <laughs> but don't worry about. It. I'm glad that we had this conversation because yeah. a lot of people carry that opinion and mm-hmm. they don't get the information on what it's like to be on the other side What's of the lens. See, yeah. see it from the other lens. And I'm sorry, Mr. Millionaires. I didn't mean to offend you. <laughs> I apologize. And I, I was thinking like I had a general idea of what nil was, but I didn't know it was. I'm thinking it's all just endorsements, yeah. and I didn't know it was the. No, you can actually have a storefront and, you know, See, be your own what, brand. That's what we do. We like to educate folks. Hey, what does it stand for? Name, image, likeness. <laughs> that, that's what NIL stands for. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> now it makes sense. I, I, it's, it always sounded like an acronym for a league or something. Okay. <laughs> the whole time I'm sitting here bitching about millionaires. Y'all don't know shit. What's it called? Oh, it's the actual name of what it is. Nine inch leggings. That's what it stands for. (laughs) That's a good southern accent, by the way. Oh, yeah. I grew it myself. Um... Steve, this was a pleasure, man. Thank you again Heck so yeah. much. Thank you guys for having me. For right. sure, man. Sign us off, plug, man. Well, this has been another episode of the Trophy Case Podcast. Practice your bad men, people. Till next All time. Right. Y'all take it easy. <laughs>